Hello and welcome along to the Family and Friends podcast. My name is Maxi. I'm one of the producers here at Family Creative and this is our new weekly podcast. Each week we plan to introduce you to some of the guys that we work with quite regularly and some people that we haven't even worked with at all yet. Our guest this week is photographer James North. Again, a really good friend of ours. Although his background's in snowboarding and extreme sports photography, he now has branched off into fashion and a wide variety of things. He's got some great insight for you, especially younger photographers, about how to market yourself and what environments to put yourself in, in terms of maximizing your opportunities. Please enjoy this episode of Family and Friends with photographer James North. James North, thank you so much for joining us at the Family and Friends podcast, mate. How are you? Yes, mate. Thank you. I'm good. Thanks for having me. What's been what's been going on, mate? Mate, I've just been locked down at home, haven't I? No work, like everyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like churning myself into crippling debt, pulling my hair out. No, it's actually been like, it's been all right, actually. There's, unfortunately, it's taken a global pandemic for me to deal with a lot of things that have been pushed down the uh, to-do list for so many years, like build a new website, you know, even do like stuff around the house and things like that, but... um yeah, generally, I've just been locked down trying to figure out what all of our next moves is, you know what I mean? Nice, so, mate. Well, we're yeah. starting to come out of it now, so... Hey, fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. Um, crossed. Yeah, what's, uh, what else has been happening in terms of, like, work stuff? You started to get a few few more jobs in now? Yeah, things have started to roll, like, in a bit more. Like, briefs are coming in. It seems like people are getting back on emails. I mean, I'm sure it's the same for you guys. Like, I've been sending quite a few emails over the past few weeks. I need to get, like, return mails. Yeah. Everyone going, I've been furloughed, I've been furloughed, I've been furloughed. <laughs> so I guess most offices are still graveyards and stuff. But, yeah. uh, well, hopefully the people... But, yeah, I reckon, it'll, I reckon it'll pick up. And like I say, I've just spent this time, like, working on a web- new website, which has been down for three years, which I'm ashamed. <laughs> ashamed to say. Yeah, I'm really, really pleased with it. A good friend of mine, I started to tackle it myself thinking you know it was something that I could do and then I just it quickly kind of I quickly I quickly realized I was like you know what I'm better off paying a mate to do this (laughs) because you know I was like the amount of time I'm gonna spend on it you know trying to figure it out could probably take someone like five minutes it would take me five years so uh, yeah I, I paid a mate Tosh shouts to Tosh uh, he's a he's a really old mate for snowboarding. He lives in France. Mm-hmm. He did it for me. He did a great job. So I'm quite happy about that. Yeah, that's mate. been good. Yeah, you sent it over to me. It looks looks really cool, man. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah. What's the website? Just quickly while we're talking uh, about it's it. JamesNorthPhoto.co.uk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So check it out. Please. Excellent, mate. Yeah. So we're going to dive straight into our first section. Uh, your yeah. kind of personal professional history. Um, so for people listening, James is a really good photographer. He's been sort of running around the world uh, taking photos. How long have you been doing it now? Mm. Well, I guess, what, professionally or just, the, yeah, I mean. Both, yeah. Yeah, well, I guess I started, do you know what I did? I started, I was really lucky. I started studying photography when I was 15. I did a GCSE. Um, and I was really fortunate that my school had a really, had a, had, had, well, had a photography department. But not only that, it was a really good one that was sponsored by Kodak. And I originally did it because I've got to be brutally honest, it's because I thought it was going to be a bit of a dos. School, <laughs> school, school was not for me. I just, I, you know, I've got to be honest, I could not be asked for school. It seems to be quite a current theme for, well, yeah, but, uh, for I people guess, in our industry, actually. Yeah, well, someone that wants to use, I guess, their mind creatively or whatever. Mm. For me, I just didn't see any point in studying religious studies or something like that. You know, I was like, when am I yeah. going to use this? Also, maths, what the fuck? When am I ever going to use a simultaneous equation? And I rattled my brain, like, stressing about that for ages, you know? So when I got to the point where I was like, I could pick subjects like, GC- like GCSEs and stuff, I was like, right, I'm going to 
I'm gonna, yeah, photography. Do something that looks oh, fun. And I liked English. English was cool. I liked it. I really liked, I really liked books and I liked uh, the theatre and things that I kind of delved into anyway. And then I quickly realised when I started studying photography that my tutor, which, you know, which, by the way, is an incredible guy and has actually won an award for his teaching. Yeah. And he's, he's done books and he's, you know, he's a real traditionalist for photography because I was way before the digital age. He... Basically, we didn't pick up a camera for a year. And there I was thinking I was walking into a DOS subject, but all I did was every week study was and the then have the a test. Huh? Sorry? What was it like, a theory on photography? Yeah, or? so all the theory. So we didn't even pick up a camera for our first year at GCSE. Oh, wow. We just had to study the theory because he was like, if you get the real groundings and understand, uh, you know, the sort of creative capabilities of a camera and you know all the old processes you know so like collodion processes like everything um and the exact ways that like what happens to a negative and all mm. these kind of things because we were doing all our own developing and all our own printing is that you know we had a dark room has that been a good skill to sort of maintain do you still do that no and i really wish i was digital now yeah yeah so yeah. i guess we can kind of come to that a little bit later on but i'm, I'm starting to shoot film again yeah for pleasure really more than commercially but mm -hmm. but yeah so I didn't even pick up a camera for ages so was that quite frustrating uh yeah because I <laughs> thought I was like I say walking into a DOS I was like ah just taking pictures Walk in around, it which is basically snaps now yeah. as a professional photographer you hate it when people go ah oh, it's just taking pictures isn't it yeah. one of my mates says to me he's like oh it's all just maths and angles and I'm like <laughs> <"What are> you? <laughs> and angles, smoke yeah. and thank you fresh more for that um <laughs> so but yeah so so yeah I, I guess I kind of started then and then worked through GCC and I just fell in love of it and did it at A level. And then I went and did it at uni. Um, and when I had my last year of uni was the kind of film digital switch. So I guess I've been shooting since I was, you know, 16 really, wow. you know, um, but I didn't, as I said, I didn't touch digital really until I was like 22, mm -hmm. 21. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, and then I guess professionally, it's hard to say, really, isn't it? Like when you turn when you turn pro. Well, I guess yeah. I mean, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, technically, when you start getting paid for it. But I, I mean, guess so. what was your journey? Sort of that lead up. What, did you sort of work for free quite a lot, or did you have some opportunities quite early on in your career to to, yeah. to get some paid gigs, or yeah. did you have to really sort of get after it? So well, just putting yourself out there. How, how do how do you kind of get in, into that professional space as a photographer? Uh, well, I mean, it's different for everyone, isn't it? And it's different yeah. how it's really different uh, as sort of times have changed, you know, the way that when I was coming through the ranks as such, you know, it was, it was that kind of old traditional way of like, you study, you leave uni, you then become an assistant for someone yeah. who's, you know, respected and working in the industry and you learn more on the job that way and then you break free and become a professional. Okay. But nowadays I think it's really, and this is a great thing, like younger photographers coming through can, you know, get that exposure really early through social media platforms and other ways, which obviously wasn't available when I was, I was coming up, I guess, through the ranks. So it's kind of changed a lot. But for me, I left uni and I was like, oh shit, like a kind of quick realization of like, you can't just go and go, yes, can I go and get a photography job now, please? Like, it doesn't work like that, you know? So you're left to like fend to yourself, which is a good thing because I've always liked the hustle of it and yeah. I've always, you know, wanted to work for myself. It's but like I self guess. Self propulsion. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it's like the drive of wanting to do something for yourself. And, you know, I guess that's what leads any creative, isn't it? But 
for me, I then started getting, I was like, okay, well, all right, what do I, let's try and evaluate this. Right, I need money, so I've got to get a job, right? What do I like to, what do I like to do? I love snowboarding, that was my thing. Skateboarding, snowboarding, that's my, my thing. You know, I've been doing it since I was a young age. Snowboarding, I'd only just sort of found that at uni, but it was like big passion already. And I was like, all right, maybe get a job in like a snowboard shop that's on a slope so you're connected within the industry and if you're in the shop you might get the chance to like meet the brands that you want to work for things like this so so I did that and ended up working at um, Wickham Summit uh, a shop called Sputnik uh, and then yeah just got networking within the industry was taking photos on the slope of all the so riders did that, did that pay off then that tactic of just kind of throwing yourself into the environment and then relying on making some connections while you're kind of in there yeah definitely yeah. but uh, actively made the point to try and make those connections and also one of the key things which i say to anyone is you know any lead just follow it up yeah because in my early years i was a bit blasé about you know you're kind of just sitting there waiting for emails to come in but it's not gonna no. happen you know you, you need, need any lead proactive yeah any lead or anything like that you need to follow it up not in a sort of like um i don't know uh, how to put it like an over-enthusiastic way. Don't be like nagging, obviously, but you know, any lead, you know, and someone kindly gives you their email, then email them. Don't just sit on that email and not email them, which is what I would have might have done when I was younger here and there. Mm. Um, but that paid off for me. And then I was just sort of like, was basically doing part-time work and I was trying to make my way in the snowboard industry, shooting snowboarding. And I pursued that for too long, to be honest. <laughs> why, like, why'd you say that? Well, cause there's no money in it. There's no money not- in it. No, they're, Glory days of snowboarding, there was a lot of money in it. Like you hear stories of old, uh, like well, I say of old, that makes it sound like it's an ancient thing. It's still a young <laughs> sport in the grand scheme of time. But, yeah. um, you know, like there was stories of people just five-star hotels everywhere getting planes over. This is the old pro riders, like when it was kicked off. But generally there's no there's no real money in snowboarding. And I, but I spent, because I loved it so much, I spent so long pursuing it, trying to get my photos in magazines. I remember being at university, like flicking through the snowboard magazines thinking, oh man, I really want to be like that guy that has the photos here and listed there. And then I remember turning around like a couple of years after uni and kind of pursuing it. And, and then I got my first photo in a magazine, like a snowboard magazine, White Lines. And like thanks to Ed Blomfield for that because he was he was the editor at the time, and uh, I just remember thinking, no way! Like I actually did it. Like I thought at uni when I was like I wanted to do that, I actually then went and did it, which was like it blew me away, and that's what fired me up to keep going. And then I went and did like seasons and stuff like this, and then and I ended up starting a snowball magazine with a friend of mine, which we still do. It was like eleven years ago now. That's definitely a side hustle, but I kind of after quite a bit of time working in the industry realized as I got older as well and responsibilities came more I realized that I'm always going to do this because I love it yeah but I also love doing other types of photography you know I love yeah I love shooting with people I love shooting people I love shooting portraits I like shooting campaigns and I like shooting you know like lifestyle kind of campaigns which is kind of stuff we've worked together on and that's what's gonna help me pay the bills you Mm -hmm. know Um, I heard um, the snowboard scene gets pretty loose what's it like uh, (laughs) on the shoots what's the kind of atmosphere well because I've I've never actually been snowboarding or skiing so it depends on the shoot so I've spent a lot of time like so when 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 it comes to snowboarding yeah there's lots of industry gatherings you know it's trade shows or you know a brand might put on an event and invite the media and all the pro riders stuff like that yeah those things get like loose like loose 
good lose. You know, and <laughs> it's like it's like it's a big it's kind of weird like you know if if anyone is into any kind of action sport or something once you're in the kind of scene as such it's a very small world yeah you know like everyone does kind of know everyone it does feel like a big family it's cheesy to say but that's the truth so it's lovely in that respect you know you won't see people maybe for a year but you'll go on a trip and so and so's there at that event or that comp or this but when it comes to like actually shooting snowboarding for you know either a brand or for editorial like you know, for, for like our magazine, for example, um, you, what happens is you've got a crew of riders, you'll go on, you'll organize a trip. So you think, all right, all right, where's, where you, you might do it based on where we make an interesting feature. So you'd be like, right, let's go snowboarding in, I don't know, wherever. Like, well, some of the guys, friends of mine, like they went snowboarding in Iran, you know, like, which you wouldn't think it's an interesting story. But then a lot of the times the pro riders are filming video parts or they're doing different things. So like, we'll go and get a crew together and we'll go to like Helsinki, like Finland. Spent a lot of time out there and we'll shoot street, like snowboarding. Can you say the same way that skaters, they use the street features, right? Snowboards do the same. Just a lot more shoveling snow involved. Um, but we'll do that and it's, it's hard, man. Really, really hard. It's a lot of work for not a lot of reward. Like one, you know, three second video clip, you know, will take you a whole day sometimes. Jesus. Sometimes two. Depends on if the rider gets it or not, you know. So, and then you, as a photographer, haven't even got the guarantee that that shot will get run in the in the magazine. And yeah, even if course. it does, it's like barely any money. Mm. Um, and then, always after the trip, then there's a party at the end. <laughs> yeah, of so, so going back to the looseness, yeah, because yeah, you're, you're yeah. traveling all over and like exploring these cities. It's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It is kind of exhausting. I think people hear sometimes about our jobs and stuff, and they think, oh yeah, you get to travel, you get to do X, Y, Z. A lot of the time you kind of fly to the airport, you hop in a cab, you go to your shoot location, you work for 13 hours, and then sometimes you have to fly home again the same day. Like, well, that's exactly it. It's, yeah. it's like just kind of quite surreal. You sometimes lose your, yeah. you, you don't know where you are. You don't really know what day it is. You just know what you're supposed to be filming. Yeah, 100%. Just get, get the job and like, we, like Obviously, we are lucky to go to all these places. Yeah. Like, and I'm forever grateful of the mm -hmm. opportunities that are presented to me and the places I've gone to see but most of the time I don't really see a lot of it you know that's <laughs> like everyone thinks oh it's amazing you go and shoot all this snowboarding stuff I was like yeah but what you don't understand is that like for an entire week at three in the morning I was lying in minus 20 on the you know cold hard concrete of Helsinki in Finland <laughs> do you know what I mean trying to get a photo trying to battle with like technical issues of flashes not firing and yeah. things like this you know and then you know at the end like I say you have a little blow in the city and stuff and that's nice to see but it's not like you're in tourist mode for like two weeks you know of course not um, so, so you made a sort of transition then from your snowboarding stuff mm. uh, into festivals was that kind of well I mean how things went or I mean you always pursue your passions don't you like and music's always been a huge influence in my life and and like a passion you know like well, it's for a lot of people and then so I started like trying to network in the music industry the same way that I kind of did with snowboarding. But that was a bit of a, that was a, a much rougher road. So, but what I kind of, I guess actually one of the biggest transitions were, was kind of Red Bull actually. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and yeah, big shout out to everyone at Red Bull. I've, I've done a lot with them in the culture and the sports side of things over the years. Um, but I guess a real transition point was when I started using 
my kind of history in snowboarding to work my way into kind of sport with the bigger brands like like Red Bull. So they would give me a call and say, right, we've got a professional footballer in town. We need some new shots of him. So, you know, I'd do that. or um, And then I started shoot some of their events, you know, like things like Soapbox Race. And then I could kind of figure my path from there. Then that got me into the culture side with Red Bull. So, like, you know, I did a lot of their... Mate, they um, do so much. Yeah, yeah, so and I was grateful for the opportunities of them going on tour with them for a month and shooting all the music stuff in Where'd there. Where'd you go? Uh, well, I guess the Red Bull tour was that was the RBMA tour, so we did a different city every week. Nice. Um, and there was like five days of events, like day and night. It was brutal. Yeah. It was fun, really good. <laughs> um, but I guess, yeah, that was kind of the transition is using snowboarding and my connections of all the brands that are kind of into it, i.e. Red Bull. You know, so I was shooting a lot with the Red Bull athletes. Oh, and right. then that got me into, you know, the company to be able to exp- sort of broaden my yeah. horizons professionally there. And I'm really grateful they gave me the, the scope to do that. Them and many other brands, you mm-hmm. know, that I had the capability to do that. Nice, man. So I guess that that is the real transition. So I've um, I've shot a few festivals with you. Yeah. Always, we, have. we always have a we great have. time. Always big energy from you, mate. Yeah. Um, what do you think, what would be your advice for like a, a young photographer, maybe thinking about starting off in festivals? Like, wh- how would you kind of summarize that experience? Festivals. Mm. Uh, festivals. Festival photography. Yeah, festival photography. Yeah, obviously, yeah, like I say, done that a lot over the years and I still, I still do it for a few key festivals. Um, you know, and I definitely think it's a younger person's game, you know, because you're up you know, all night, every night, you know, it's getting a bit tougher to do that. So, <laughs> yeah. So if you, that's something that you want to pursue, I think when it comes to festivals or particularly like live music photography and music in general, it's a competitive, competitive field. Um, so you kind of need to at first, if there's any lead of you being able to get a contact at the festival or anything else, then you know, it is who you know. So follow that. But if you just, you know, wanting to kind of get in into shooting musical festivals and just write to the organizers, apply for a press pass, right? You know, figure out, you know, the acts that you want to shoot, the way that you want to shoot it. And you don't even have to cover the whole festival, you know, just concentrate on a few things, a couple of live acts, you know, some uh, stuff of people in and around the festival having fun. Don't be scared to talk to people. You're at a festival, you know? So if you're talking to people, you're going to get, they'll be up for taking shots. They'll get better shots for you. Um, And then, you know, all right, you've got this body of work. You can then send back to the festival and say, right, you know, thanks for having me. Here's the yeah. kind of stuff I did. Is there any scope to join the official team next year? And you've also got a body of work to then send to another festival, you know, and say, right, I was at this festival shooting, you know, you know, here's the kind of stuff that I did. So, yeah, I would say try and that's the that's the best way to, to start off. If you don't know anyone or have any connections already, apply for a press pass, you know, shoot it and do the best job that you can you know concentrate on a few acts and shoot all the other extracurriculum activities that happen at a festival <laughs> and uh, and yeah then you've got a body of work because you the thing about it doesn't matter if it's that or any other photography like you have to just keep shooting yeah. all the time keep you've got regular. to keep wanting to get better yeah. and keep building a body of work so you've always got you know a forever improving portfolio that you can present to people whether it's music festivals or whatever um, and then eventually you know hopefully like then you'll get you'll be able to have that body of work. And like I say, say to the, the festival organizers, is there any scope in joining the team next year? You know, and 
hopefully they say yes and then you're in you know <laughs> and then it'll just keep building and keep building from that and then it, when it comes to like I guess music you know from shooting live I personally I know a lot of others managed to build a relationship with artists like and then I've been on tour with artists specifically um, and then you're in with kind of the, the labels you might get a chance to do some press shots so that is you know a good way to build so up from putting there. yourself in the environment don't mm. be afraid to speak to people 100% put yourself out there yeah um, keep it regular um, yeah and just yeah try and keep sharpening your skills basically yeah don't stop shooting always shoot and like I say just yeah any opportunity but yeah put yourself out there 100% awesome. so you've come from you started off snowboarding yeah. uh, you've done a few like festival stuff yeah uh, and lots of music so what kind of um, what kind of things have you been up to for the last few years are, are you trying what direction are you trying to move in at the moment as a photographer uh, I'm trying to avoid staying up until three in the morning all the time That's <laughs> unless it's for pure leisure purposes of course yeah. smashing a few lagers with the boys you know, <laughs> uh, mate. Yeah, I mean that's never going to go away, is it? But I mean, having to like go, having to go on the grind of you know, like festivals, for example, I've definitely chilled out on those. Uh, um, I definitely want to still shoot festivals, but I'll be a bit more selective about stop one or two years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, ones like for example, Cala out in Albania. That's a kind of you know a week long festival on the beautiful Albanian Riviera, and you know, there's like elements to that which is just it's you know. It's a, uh, th th there's just so much more to it than just a festival, you know, standing in a muddy field for, you know, four days solid, getting all your expensive equipment <laughs> <Yeah>. ruined <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for hardly any money. Because, <laughs> you know, festivals, you know, it's a lot to operate a festival. So budget wise, they're never the, the no. strongest, but, you know, respect them all. And, and I've had a great time doing them all. But so I'm trying to move away from that. And it's really been happening slowly is doing more, you know, proper campaign stuff, you know. So uh, like I had my first like v Vanza, for example, like one of my biggest clients, I did a, like a global campaign for them that was kind of going to be used out of home and uh, all across their site and POP and all sort of windows and things like that. So that was cool. Uh, and I'm doing a lot more of that, like lifestyle fashion, um, you know, sometimes like two, three day shoots working with a lot of models, prom like promoting fashion lines, collections. And um, yeah, that's where I'm kind of wanting to go. Kind of some more down the fashion editorial yeah, route. It, yeah, exactly. I mean, editorial is something I've never really done. Uh, well, I mean, I've done it, but I want to pursue it more actively actually this year and from now on. Um, but I've always been working with brands and agencies directly, you know, shoot, as I say, shooting fat, like lifestyle fashion campaigns, basically. And kind of ones that link with I guess my history in snowboarding to like outdoor. So, you know, like Vans. that passion that's going to come through into the work. If you yeah. Put that kind of yeah. basis on it. Yeah, for sure. And I think with that as well, it's like, it's, I've got to think about the long game. I've got to think about the next steps of my career and where I can go. And, and that for me is the most logical thing, which I love doing and suits, you know, a slightly older age group, you know, like, so like Vans, for example, I shot a, an all weather. They picked like eight photographers in the world, a couple of US, a couple of Canada, two from Europe, which I was one of them, and then some guys from Asia. And we all went out for like a weekend and shot like an all weather campaign. So they've got this like footwear, which is more geared up for, you know, bad weather, wet weather. So, you know, different like footbeds and mm -hmm. um, scotch guards and things like that. And we just shot a campaign, you know, in and around Switzerland, you know, with like amazing models, like their athletes, and just had a great time cruising around shooting, like, as I say, like lifestyle fashion 
content. Mm. So that's definitely where I'm going and I want to keep, keep going down that road. Let's move on to our next section. Your, in, in your opinion, what has been your biggest opportunity in terms of your career as a photographer? Um, yeah, I guess it's kind of an easy one, really. Um, in 2012, so I've got to give yeah, I've got to give Rich King a shout for this. So Rich King is an old friend of mine, and he's the he was the old athlete manager at Red Bull. I'd worked with a lot, and I'd known him for years through snowboarding stuff. And I was having a meeting with Red Bull in their old office in Tooley Street, and uh, and we were chatting about some other stuff. He went, actually, Norfolk, like, have you? Uh... So an, uh, an old friend of his who always used to work at Red Bull, a girl called Emily Courtlang, uh, who also I have to thank for the opportunity. She um, she's the um, like the brand director for Beats by Dre now, mm-hmm. and they were doing a a campaign, which was really clever, around their 2012 London Olympics. Um, and Rich put Emily was looking for a photographer and said Rich you know anyone might be suitable and he mentioned it to me and I was like yeah I'm in let's Absolutely, do it and then I met, up, yeah. I met up with Emily and um, and it was yeah it was on and I walked into the, one of the craziest like three weeks of my life really <laughs> yeah, yeah talk was, to us about it um, well it was really clever like the IOC like they have a lot of laws there's a lot of like official brand partners when it comes to Olympics right mm-hmm. so like Adidas being a main example you know of a sponsor you know, there's something like, you know, within a certain radius, like mile radius, there can be no other, you know, sports where like out of home advertising or stuff like that. You know, there's like, there's laws like that. It's really strict, the IOC with terms of endorsement and sponsorship and therefore what other competitors can do within, do you know what I mean? In and around the Olympics. It's very tight. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've done quite a lot of work for Nike together as well. And it's it's always very, very tight. Yeah. It's very tight. Right. And there's a lot of like restrictions, but what Beats did was very clever because they, they basically created this secret space in Shoreditch House uh, where they did this full brand walkthrough and they had all their product and they made headphones in every nation's colour, uh, like flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but they didn't advertise it. And so right. what happened was a couple of like athletes would find out about it, mm. come to the space going, ah, am I in the right place? I heard you're, you're, <laughs> you're, this is the beat space and you're giving out headphones for free with our nation's flags on it and they're like yeah and then all of a sudden you saw these like on the telly like on all the oh, you know at the events and so they're, they're wearing yeah, them yeah, of yeah. and so they've got these nation flag like beats very headphones. smart marketing yeah it was one of the cleverest <laughs> campaigns i've ever i've ever had the privilege to work on or just seen regardless whether i worked on it or not mm, it's definitely good marketing yeah it was brilliant sure. and but it got to the point where it actually got a bit mad so after a couple of you know, two weeks sometimes you get there and i get to that space in the morning and there'd be a queue like round round the roads um, but I wasn't there just to shoot the space. I was there to shoot a lot of, you know, other brand activation in and around. So I remember the first day on the job, I went to Hyde Park because they did like a Coca-Cola stage where they had some live music and stuff. And uh, I was with Emily at the time. And like, yeah, we want to give like Dizzy Rascals around the back. want to give him some headphones. So I was like, all right, cool. So I went around and this is like my first day on that job. Mm. And, you know, I was a lot younger and I <laughs> yeah, really sure. had these breaks. And I was like, oh, and Emily was like, oh, I did it. And we got some time. And I'm standing in the background thinking, oh, shit, shit, what am I going to do? <laughs> and uh, she's like, oh, James, James, this is Dizzy. And I was like, hi. Oh, and he went, yeah, what's up, man? Like this. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes, Dizzy, this is amazing. And I had to do some portraits of him quick. And then I went out the other back to like the VIP area. And then I found myself taking photos and directing Mark Ronson. No way. To like take some photos of him. And then I was hanging with... Um, Katie B, right, Katie B was there and I'm 
sort of bumped into her briefly, I seem to recall. And then I just, that whole two and a half weeks, I was, I was either spinning back and forth from the space in Shortage High Street or going to basically a party or an event yeah. where Beats would have some kind of presence. And I would meet all these artists and people that, you know, and uh, there was certain, like, they would do like an activation in like Nighttown, for example. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, and I got quite friendly with some of the artists over it, like Rizzle Kicks for one. We kept working together quite a bit over that course that three weeks. Um, and yeah, it was just mad, just bouncing around between all these different parties, cruising around London, going back to the space. Um, Get much sleep? Not really. No, hardly any, actually. Really? Yeah, because it was like, you know, I had to be on call. It was three weeks solid, pretty much. So and I had to be on call from like, I don't know, I was turning up to like the shortest space at like nine in the morning. And I wasn't getting home till one, Ooh. at least every day. Yeah. For every day. But it was great. And at the end was the best day. Because like we, I somehow, we got invited, I guess, because Beats had been... They, they had a hand in uh, the, the official athlete end of uh, Olympic pie. Yeah, sure. Where basically the roundhouse in Camden was just completely taken over and just for all the athletes. Wow. And they kind of sponsored that event. And, I, and, uh, and so we went and they were like, yeah, just chill tonight. Chill. We got hammered. <laughs> I was like, we are not chilling. You know, we, we're in this amazing like situation. And I was sharing like a... How it sounds like proper American, doesn't it? But like, you know, like a VIP table area. Yeah, yeah. It was me, like Mr. Hudson, like the Rizzle Kicks, can't remember else on the, in our little table. It's just free booze all night. And I got loose, so loose. I guess because I'd been on my feet for three weeks and I was all of a sudden at this party thinking, I definitely don't deserve to be here, but I'm, <laughs> I'm getting hammered. And I remember the best point of it was, I was standing in the middle of the dance floor, you know, wavy as hell. And I look over and there's like, you know, a, like a, you know, a stone's throw for me is like the entire American basketball team, like LeBron's there, I think. And I can't remember if LeBron, LeBron was there, but anyway, the US basketball team were there. And I was just like, holy shit. Like, I really do not, I'm so out of place, but fuck it, I'm going in. And then <laughs> so I'm going in and like, just cutting shapes like nobody's watching, as they say. And then all of a sudden I just heard this, you know, and then someone's on the decks, uh, Swiss Beats. Nice, mate. And I was like, holy shit, that's Swiss Beats. And all of a sudden I hear a mic firing up. It's Nas. <laughs> it's Nas. And he's right there. And then all of a sudden he works his way down to the crowd. And I, I just, I'll never forget this moment. Like from me to you now, as close as we are, Nas is in front of me doing a set, you know, on the dance floor. I was that's just like, I was like, once oh. in a lifetime. That was once in yeah. a lifetime, yeah. And then, and then that led to loads of other good opportunities with Beats down further down the line. Awesome. But yeah, that was, that was it. So you kind of used, how did you use that kind of, how did you propel yourself after those those few weeks with with all your photos? Just to kind of touch on what we were talking about earlier as well, sure. sort of using opportunities to really boost your portfolio and stuff. How did you then kind of use that as a springboard to move forward after after that you know amazing three weeks? Yeah, um, it's funny trying to think back that far. Did you make quite um, a lot of connect connections? Yeah, I think or that's was it. it your it's, work it's, that kind of. I think there's a lot of things. Number one, confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that, you know, that launched me to a point where I was working and directing, you know, like a lot of kind of, you know, big name artists who have done it with hundreds of photographers before them. And it gave me a lot of confidence and it allowed me a little bit of creativity to develop my personal style a bit more as well. Because I was shooting every day and I was forced to think about getting maybe a different shot with, you know, I think they weren't really called influencers at the time, but, you know, people that were being gifted their 
their product, you know, that course, were yeah. in the limelight. And I was forced to try and get all these different shots and light things differently. So confidence and creativity, that really helped. And in turn, that obviously built my portfolio to a point where I was really proud to be able to show it to someone, you know, because I had all these different like faces and talent and artists in there. And I had the confidence to kind of back it up. And obviously, you know, saying you shot the Olympic 2012 campaign for Beats obviously sounds quite good as well. So that helped with my confidence, one. And then... I think I continued that relationship with Beats by Dre, um, which was really good until Apple kind of, you know, had the changeover. So, um, but we, I, can, I had lots of further opportunities with them. And I guess, to be brutally honest, it then comes down to networking. You know, that, like I say, I had so many more contacts. So any other partners that came in with Beats or anyone else that I'd work with, you'd often meet another brand partner that, say, was co-sponsoring an event with, say, like Red Bull, for example. And you get to meet those people. And, you know, if you're fortunate and you can get those kind of contact details, it's, it's networking. Definitely. Yeah, so that is the real key thing. And then it's word of mouth. Mm -hmm. So... You know, if you're turning up and you're doing, you know, a good job and it's for a credible, you know, kind of brand or person, uh, then, you know, they will speak, they will speak highly of you. And, you know, a lot, that quite, I'm very fortunate, it's obviously taken many, many years, but quite often now I'll get an email going, oh, hi James, nice to meet you, you know, you've been recommended for this person. So, and it taught me a lot as well, like that experience in how to, personally project yourself in a professional way yeah, you know because sure. it's quite easy in a situation like that like how i lost the plot on that last night when i was on the stage i was like ah oh, fuck it it's <laughs> <laughs> your job's over now uh no but uh how to how to conduct yourself mm -hmm. you know because it's quite easy particularly when you're working with you know talent and and celebrities and stuff like that, it's quite easy to sort of fumble through it but yeah, you want to sure. be quite you know you want to retain that professional manner yeah and yeah. i think that that helped and if you conduct yourself that way like I say then you'll get more recommendations word of mouth because I always really good really professional it was do you know what I mean mm. so I think it'd be quite easy in our industry to get sort of a bit carried away <laughs> times. Okay. of course yeah um, yeah you know you have to sort of keep a lid on it and maintain sort of your professionalism of course uh, in whatever the situation may be but it's interesting what you said on confidence because we haven't actually sort of spoken about that on the podcast yet yeah um, how important do you think it is as a sort of a, a, a freelance photographer you're a one-man band it all comes down to you how important is confidence when sort of you know going into a shoot or just having a kind of day-to-day -day? you're a very positive person James you always have a massive like big energy mm. um but on the inside are you always confident do you have to oh no when you when you're not do you kind of push yourself to kind of reach that confidence or are you sometimes just trying to kind of catch up a little bit like how do you feel on that kind of subject well i mean i like you know historically i am a confident guy and i thrive in a sort of social situation like i i love you know the energy of a room and i love other people and i feed off that sometimes probably to a lot of people's annoyance but uh, <laughs> yeah uh, sorry about that friends somehow i managed to retain having mates so i can't be that annoying just have my little glimmers uh like i know dave uh the amount of times i must have just annoyed dave he, uh, the amount of eye rolls from dave family creative dave the eye rolls i get from that guy anyway yes confidence is really 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 important because not only it's so bad to say, but it's not just your work that you're selling. You're selling yourself 
as a person and how you again how you conduct yourself on a shoot you know and how you're going to interact with the client the models hair makeup and everyone you know because as a photographer you are you know you know you are leading it's quite an important role there and everyone has their job on a, on set but you know you have to conduct yourself well with everyone and bring and help bring the whole thing together and more Build relationships very quickly yeah and more importantly i guess more than anything else is making whoever i guess i'm saying directly is when it comes to shooting people in portraiture mm -hmm. you're it's part of your job and a so important part of your job is to make people feel comfortable because as soon as people feel comfortable you're going to get the better shots and everyone's going to have a lot more fun. Mm -hmm. And everyone, like the model or the talent or the artist, whoever you're working with, will walk away from that shoot thinking, man, that was sick. That was fun. I had a good time. And you're buzzing because you felt that energy. But that all comes down with confidence. And that unfortunately does come with time. And But it's like we said earlier, it's like putting yourself out there. And sure, there are times where I turn up on a shoot and inside I'm thinking, oh, fuck, I don't know if I've got this. You know, because the lighting's really technical, or you know, you, no matter how much you've planned it out in your head, you're still not 100% how that's going to go, or this going to go. Um, but it is always then like searching for that little gear or that bit. Of, I like, I, I stupidly call it the mojo. You know, like you got to find <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to find it. You got to switch it on. And it, if you are feeling nervous, like you just got to dig a bit deeper and believe in yourself because you know you can do it. And then once you have, if you are nervous on a shoot, dig deep, you'll, you'll start to feel like, no, no, okay, I got this. And then utilize that and you're in, you're gone. You know, you'll, you'll get it done. While we're talking about uh, being nervous, why don't we smoothly transition into things going wrong? So we all know you're very positive on set, James. You're very professional. Uh, your photography is great. But when are things really fucked up? What's your biggest clanger? Damn. <laughs> Which one of the 400 well, shall I bring up? At the moment, uh, yeah. I mean, we could talk about, I guess, you know, I guess one of the quite, I guess, more unique things that I do again is snowboarding. Mm -hmm. um, and I touched on it earlier, like sometimes, you know, so for example, we'll be cruising around Finland. We've been driving around for a day, right? That's a day gone. We found a spot that a snowboarder wants to ride. So it could be, you know, forgive the kind of chat but it could be like a wall ride to a, a roof gap or whatever um I, I won't explain all that kind of stuff to someone that maybe doesn't understand whatever but it's a big deal you know they're nervous the rider's nervous about hitting it it's you know <laughs> life-threatening but you could definitely hurt yourself yeah. very severely sure um and like some of my mates yeah have jumped roof gaps that if it went wrong yeah they would have they would, have, they would have died, my friend, you know? So it's pretty serious stuff. So you drive around for a day, the rider's nervous, you find this spot they want to do, it's like, right, we'll come back tomorrow. Okay, how much are we going to get busted by the police? We might get busted by the police on that one, right? Let's do it at night. So we bring generators, we bring lights, you know? And then we get there and we're like, how much work is it, right? Because you've got to move all the snow around in order to make the spot work. And sometimes, like this one spot in Finland, for example, so exact point in question, we turned up to the spot, it must have been about... 10 p.m. and we were like set up the jenny set up the lights but and then but we didn't turn them on and we started shoveling snow and we were shoveling snow and moving it and shaping it for four hours wow so by the time we'd shoveled all the snow at different spot we're talking <coughs> like half two in the morning something like Ooh. that that's freezing man so cold <laughs> yeah. 
and, the, and then the rider's really nervous, also burnt out from shoveling all this snow. So you set everything up, and then they hit it, and they hit it, and they're trying it, and they're trying it. You've got your lights on the go. You're taking a shot every time. And then the, the film is there, like, filming everything. And, you know, they've been trying it for an hour, and they're getting worked on it. You know, their body's getting broken yeah. from hitting this spot. And then they finally, you know, you get there, like, you're in position, yeah, every time. Film, are you ready? Norfolk, you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they do it. Boom, that's it. That's the one. They landed it and everyone's buzzing, you know, everyone's jumping around. <laughs> you know, the film was like, oh, amazing clip, amazing clip. And then all the riders are, yeah, running in. And then you're sitting in the back going, oh, fuck. <laughs> My flashes didn't fire. <laughs> My flashes didn't fire. How am I going to break this to him? And then everyone comes running over after looking at the clip. And they're like, Norfi has a shot. And you're like, uh, yeah, about that. <laughs> and then they have to then obviously go and do it again for another hour. Yeah. But quite often you can use a previous shot, you know, because sure. as long as they landed it. But it's just that feeling of like, no, I missed it, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, what? It took us a day to find this and like six hours to do. And you missed the one. Yeah, it was ropey, man. I was like, so it wasn't me, it was the flashes. <laughs> yeah, so that, that can happen. So our next section is uh, your strangest slash weirdest shoot. Um, these are the kind of times where you're taking photos, making videos, doing whatever you do on location, doing your thing. And you kind of just look up and you don't really know what's happening. Uh, you know, you we know, just one what, of those weird... We what is my job? What is my job? Yeah. What is my life? How am I going to explain oh, this, you know, to my other half when I get home? Right. How am I going to describe this? Um, so what's your... I've got Cats in Cinema down as your uh, <laughs> your cue point. So t- tell me about this. Uh, All right. Yeah, right. this is definitely the weirdest. So the good people at Pretty Green, this is an agency based in uh, like Farringdon, they work with Cartoon Network and you know I work with Pretty Green and I've done jobs throughout the years and Cartoon Network were launching a sh- like a new cartoon called Unikitty mm-hmm. so it's a new show and what they did was to do the, to promote uh, to promote the launch was to do a cat premiere at the Odeon in Leicester Square and when you say that I mean cats in a cinema like 20 of the things <laughs> watching the premiere right and I had to shoot that so we came up with loads and loads of good ideas, but it was a nightmare, as you could imagine. So the hero shot was, I think it was 16 or 18 cats in the end, all sitting in an individual seat with like popcorn and all <laughs> looking at the screen. How? how? So I can't get well, my cats to sit still. Yeah. So I was like, they were like, how are you going to do this? And I went, I don't know. <laughs> but what, what, what I came up with was in the end I was like right okay let's set a frame like take a plate of it so like no cats in it no one anything light it all up take a plate and by taking a plate it means you just take a, an empty shot of mm. your kind of setting your frame your you know your composition so I took that and then I was like I start we started with trying to do like a row of cats what the one row yeah, at time. yeah yeah and so I like got four rows, four rows. Of yeah, five. I think it was four rows in the end. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's not going to work. And then you've got like 15 owners behind the camera going, come <laughs> you know, trying to flash like, I don't know, like dead mice at them. And oh, like, shit. you know, so the idea at first was like, you know, do a row of cats. I think I can't even remember if we tried to do it with all the cats at first, which is a really dumb ass idea. <laughs> But I think we did. Mate, if not, we went by Rose. Madhouse. It was insane because the thing is, you've got the owners as well, like I said. And so I've got like 15 owners, right? 
pictures behind the camera. I've got Uni Kitty, which is quite an offensively like loud cartoon playing on the thing. And then like all these owners behind me were going like, you know, like trying, trying to get, get their, their attention. attention. Yeah. And I was just like, oh man, this is like, this is an absolute head mess. Because not a single one of them was <laughs> looking at the sc- I mean, they're cats, right? <laughs> Did their own thing. So then I was they like, right, in the shit, end, no. to get this one hero shot, I'd shot each cat individually. And then I comped the whole thing afterwards. But even to get each cat to look at the screens, that was the point of it. They were going to be watching the premiere. Was a fucking nightmare. Mate, of course it is. You can't direct cats. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're evil, but that's why I like yeah. them. Yeah, but it was it was funny. We had a really good time on the shoot. And then it, it just after that hero shot was done, we had all these other shots we wanted to get. And there was... Uh, we had these like fake cat arms, right? <laughs> that I pulled up POV kind of in front of the lens. And then I got like an old plastic camera where the, then the cat arms would hold this plastic camera. And then we had cats on the like step and repeat board. Yeah. Like there were celebrities coming in to see the film. So it's like POV, <laughs> these cat arms taking a photo of a cat on the step and repeat. And then we had like celebs turn up for the actual like showing in the evening. So you've got all these cats, all these cat owners sitting on the, the in the Odeon seats in oh, Leicester awesome. Square, stroking their cats eating popcorn. And then there's like... <laughs> There was Stacey Solomon turned up. Uh, there was uh, Chris Stark. Is it Chris Stark from Radio 1? Mm, I'm not sure. Yeah, and there was basically all these celebs that had turned up to come to this cat premiere. Then I was photographing them holding the cats against the step and repeat. I was photographing cats fighting because that just happened. Yeah. And it was funny. <laughs> and then I was doing like these 3D gifts of cats. Oh, mate, it was hilarious. Hilarious. But I remember, go, I remember going through the photos the next day and I'm comping cats into cinema seats going, <laughs> what is my job? There's people out there saving lives. Yeah. Respect. What would be your advice to people now who are thinking about mm. you know, getting involved with photography? Well, the landscape's changed. It was kind of like I was saying earlier, the landscape's completely changed. Whereas before, well, the landscape's changed in any industry because of the exposure you know, that is, you know, out there in terms of, well, you know, social media, the internet, mm-hmm. you know, your exposure, you know, it can work for and against you. But I think the thing is, is my first bit of advice is just always be true to yourself. So if there's like a style of, you know, be influenced by others, you know, constantly looking at other photographers and stuff like that, you know, but don't try and copy everyone else's style all the time. Because I've been guilty of that in the past, thinking, oh, you know, no shit, that person's stuff's really good. Maybe I should shoot like that. And then I spend a year trying to shoot like that, thinking, actually, I don't, that's not really me. You know, and so I'd say always be true to yourself and keep taking photos. You've got to keep taking photos, even if it's personal projects. Like for me, I always try and do, you know, some shots with an up and coming music artist, just doing press shots for them, just for fun. You know, you can use that as a location check for somewhere as well. And it just keeps your creative eye, you know, just kind of going. So always shoot. Don't stop shooting. Be, be true to your style. Yeah. And obviously put your work out on platforms that expose yourself you know instagram facebook all the usuals you know so and just as i say stay true to that style and then you know once you your body works strong enough like you just gotta start reaching out to people you know and it might be in those you know early days you are going to have to do some jobs for free uh you know or minimal budgets but anything that will allow you to get a step on the ladder you know you need to kind of take it and you've got to be prepared for the hustle because the hustle never stops. You know, like I've been, you know, 
Lucky enough, things have been pretty successful for the past eight years. But I don't stop. You know, I try and meet people, a new person every month. You know, and so you can't, you can't stop the hustle and just don't be shy of rejection because you'll get rejected loads. But those times where you get accepted, trust me, it's like, you know, I guess it's like a surfer getting a wave or something. You know, they're out there for like two hours. They get one wave, they're buzzing, that's it. You know, and so you've got to remember that, that the end goal is to work for yourself, do what you love. And yeah, that's probably the best thing I could say. Awesome. Thanks, mate. Well, before we go, do you want to plug uh, your new website, your magazine? Uh, your Instagram, anything else? Before, uh, before I guess so. Yeah, I, like I said, I've just launched a new website, so I'd appreciate anyone looking at it. <laughs> Not just my mum. You know? <laughs> Shouts to mum. Uh, Mumsy. Uh, yeah, jamesnorthphoto.co.uk. I'd really appreciate if you took a look. And then I'm on all the socials, but I only really use Instagram, if I'm honest. You know, um, And that's at jamesnorthphoto. So go check them out. I'd love to hear your thoughts and give us a shout, connect or whatever. And any up and photographer, any up and coming photographers that want to message me just from advice, I'm always all ears and I always will answer. It might take me a week, but I'll answer. I promise. So yeah, anyone that wants any more advice, I'm always always all ears. But I'd be grateful if you could check those bits out. And then also my side hustle, which is the Reason Snowball Mag, and that's at the Reason Mag on Insta. Go check that out as well. And thank you, thank you for having me. Big up, man. Thanks for coming. Big up, man. Thank you. That's all for this episode, but please make sure to check out our other episodes and subscribe to the podcast to ensure that all future episodes are on your radar. In the meantime, you can find our main website, family-creative.co.uk and on Instagram at familycreative. We'll catch you next time.